Hello, and welcome to the Future Christian Podcast, your source for insights and ideas into what it means to live as a follower of Jesus in the 21st century. At the Future Christian Podcast, we talk to pastors, authors, and other faith leaders for helpful advice and practical wisdom to help you and your community of faith walk boldly into the future. Here's your host, Lauren Richmond Jr. Welcome to the Future Christian Podcast. Today, I'm welcoming Steve Ringelspa to the show. Steve is Director of Outreach for Beautiful Redemption, a ministry that connects faith communities, child welfare agencies, and individuals to help at-risk children. Steve and his wife, Katie, have always had a passion for helping kids. After serving and leading in youth ministry, he realized that he was never going to impact an entire generation of kids by himself. From there, he began to dream about building a network of churches and individuals who could put aside differences to work together for the benefit of others. Steve and Katie have two children, Judah and Zoe. Welcome, Steve. What else would you like our listeners to know about you? Oh, shoot. Um, Youth ministry, and um, I guess I can get into my story a little bit. Um, So I grew up in a very conservative Christian household. Great. Loved my mom, my dad. Um, my dad got sick with cancer when, um, I was nine years old, he passed away. Um, and and there was a, there was a huge void right there, um, within my testimony, like losing my dad was, you know, the fun one. And he was kind of this perfect Christian guy, um, and kind of like losing him, um, was really devastating, but it really opened me up to families in the church. Um, that took particular interest, my youth pastors, my small group leaders. Um, so God really provided for me in that sense to where he really did provide a father for the fatherless. Um, and, and that community wrapping around me and caring and what can we do to help, friendship, mentorship. Um, I really feel like God took care of me in the midst of that. And that led me into Bible school. Um, and, and I love... I loved hanging out with kids and young people and I love their imagination and, and I thought about doing counseling, but I was like, I kind of want to, I want to be a part of their whole life. I don't just want, you know, parents saying my kid's broken here. Can you fix him? Um, I want to be a part of more of a holistic picture of youth growing up and knowing and loving God. And honestly, even with the removal of my physical father, um, God became more real to me in some in kind of like a difficult blessing kind of way to where I took him as my father very seriously and wanted kids to know that too. Um, and so just taking my story from there, um, working within the church, I loved youth ministry. I loved ministering to kids. I loved our youth groups, whatever we were doing. Um, I loved the impact, but there was something kind of like nagging in the back of my head of we're serving our group And if you are bold enough to come into our youth room, then you're going to be loved. And that was compelling to me, and it was enough to keep me going, but there was this nagging thing that was like, isn't the whole point of this to get outside of our walls and to go out? But I I didn't know what that looked like. I I mean, do I just go out and say hi, hi to kids on the street? Like, that's super creepy. Like how do I love people outside of my tribe? How do I love them outside of my immediate church culture? 
Um, and that idea really gripped me, which kind of led me into what I'm doing now with Care Portal. Yeah, yeah, good. Um, share about a spiritual practice that you've developed or might recommend others. Oh, shoot. I mean, some of the best ones are really the most simple ones as well. I've really enjoyed uh, going for a run and listening to podcasts, um, listening to this podcast, listening to many other just influential people kind of speak into my life, um, listening to worship and just kind of having that be like a prayer time of feel like while you're active, quiet time usually you, you think of my personal time with God and you kind of think of like having a cup of coffee on a couch by yourself. And, and that's a cool kind of pensive way to do it. But there's also, I think, this adventure aspect. And this is where I come back to youth ministry, too. And people are like, oh, all you do is, you know, play and do games and stuff. But there's something about pushing your boundaries and doing something that you're afraid of and uh, jumping off a waterfall that, like, brings you back to, like, how does this connect to my faith? And I think it's a super intentional thing where God, you know, it's not just I'm going to sit on my couch and read my Bible. There's actually this element to when I go out and I do something I'm really kind of afraid of talking to a stranger or um, helping somebody or volunteering. You're like, I don't really want to do this, but I do want to do this. And, and it unlocks this, this peace with God. Um, so there's like an activity piece. Um journaling is huge. I find I'm growing when I'm journaling. Um, and that, there's a great quote here that I'm going to butcher, but essentially that like your experience doesn't totally sink in unless it's an experience observed. And you look back at it and you say, no, I actually pulled this and this and this away from this situation. And you might just be discouraged because you had a hard day. But then once you journal about it, you can see how God was like, sharpening you and changing you throughout that whole experience and then you can actually use that experience and it wasn't just a hard day it, it was a useful day and it was a growing day um, but you never caught that until you sat down and you prayerfully kind of journaled it out on paper or on laptop or whatever you're using um, those have been huge for me that's interesting that's interesting i spend a lot of time um journaling and looking back but I, I don't know if I think about it that way. So that's, I appreciate that perspective. Yeah. There's so much that's lost in our daily, in our daily life that once we take a second to observe what happened, it can really start making an impact in your life. But otherwise it's just, just a flow of, you can, you can listen to a thousand sermons, but are you becoming a better Christian? Are you loving people more? I don't know. You, there's more things that have to happen than for you to simply experience content. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's talk about what you're what you're speaking about earlier, Care Portal. Um, so let's just jump into uh, what is Beautiful Redemption or Care Portal. Um, so kind of give just the ins and outs, what it's about, what the Beautiful Redemption versus Care Portal is, that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. So I work for a nonprofit called Beautiful Redemption, and we run a program called Care Portal. Care Portal is just a tool um, that churches can use and that child welfare agencies can use. So the mission really was to build that bridge between our faith communities and then people who needed love and they needed attention and they needed someone to reach out to them. Um, 
and as a youth pastor, they're like, okay, what are you doing for missions? And it's like, oh, I'm going to Africa. I'm going to Ukraine. Like, I'm going to go somewhere across the ocean to love somebody. But like, what are we doing to our neighbors? Or what are we doing to them? What are we What are we doing to love our neighbors immediately next door? I think God or Jesus meant that literally when he's like, love your neighbors. Um, and so prayer portal is this tool to where agency workers who are working with um, kids who are in the foster system, um, special needs, sex trafficking. There's so many kids who are in crisis, literally thousands next door, um, but their voices aren't being heard because there's no way to have that. There's already a disconnect. So the voice isn't going anywhere. So Care Portal is a way where agencies can put in the request for a kid who's sleeping on the floor, um, who doesn't have food, who doesn't have clothes because they were just removed from their house, um, things like that. They can put that request into Care Portal. That request goes out to all of our partnering churches in a very simple email format that says, hey, I want to help. You click, I want to help, and you're, you're in contact with the caseworker, and you say, hey, I, I want to get a bed for this kid. Um, does he like cars? Does he like superheroes? Whatever. And then sooner or later, you're over at their house setting up a bed for a kid who is sleeping on the floor. Um, hey, I want to pray for you. Did, like, did you know like that God loves you? Um, and just powerful moments like that that combine faith with an action of loving your neighbor in a tangible way. Yeah, what I like about a couple things you said is I, I feel like in the last, I don't know, 10 or 15 years, I don't know what your your take on this would be, Steve, that I feel like there's really been a, a re-emphasis on serving your community. I don't know if, you know, our, our, our missionary friends who work overseas might feel like it's come to the detriment of them. I, I don't know. I'd be curious. <laughs> and certainly, you know, certainly depends on who you speak to. Some people might have trouble with some of the ideas of, you know, some of the concepts of overseas missions in general, mission work in general. Uh, but that being said, I, I really think there's been a good re-emphasis on this kind of local uh, serving my community. And just as a as a pastor myself and someone who's worked in different church contexts, I feel like it's easier to quote-unquote sell your church members, your church people on helping someone then that's down the street that they, they can see and talk to rather than just sending money, you know, uh, not that, you know, some, some might say both are important, but it seems like it's an easier right. thing to, to, to quote unquote, sell to people. Yeah. Easier and harder. I totally understand that tension between going overseas. You can pay $5,000 to go on a missions trip, but what could, a, what could that church in Uganda have done with $5,000 in order to expand our mission? But you know, I'd been on those missions trips and it changed the trajectory of my life. Um, waking up to, you know, little children being like, come Steve, let's play. And you're like, oh my gosh, this changes how I see the whole world. So it's really a both and in not demonizing one or the other, but also understanding that missions isn't writing a check to an organization that's doing something overseas somewhere mission is something that says, oh, God loved me. I need to love other people. And sure, that can look financial, but it's not purely financial. Um, it's also got to be relational, and you can't divorce those two either. So if you're being relational and, and you're loving kids in you know, New Zealand, great. And 
if you need a way to plug in to, and to love your neighbor here in the States, that is a fundamental part of what it means to follow Jesus, is I need to figure out how to do this every day of my life. And I'm not going to criticize you because you get on a plane. That's fantastic. But it's also a part of your daily walk. What do you do here? If you're not loving people here, why would I put you on a plane and send you across the world? That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> That's great. That's great, Steve. You know, I was thinking about um, there's a guy I, I know who used to work for a, a kind of a mission. I'm not sure what they're commissions type nonprofit agency who who was about sending youth groups to to of Mexico to build houses for for low income folks and you know mm-hmm. his story was very much kind of what you alluded to about how it, when he was a youth he went and it changed his life because it was such a kind of like shake up of his world as he knew it. and and that's you know that's the thing as much as um youth group mission trips and overseas mission trips group mission trips can get a bad rap for white saviorism or whatever. I, I think what you said is in many ways is true. It, 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 oper- it presents and gives a lot of white upper-class suburban kids an opportunity to see like, this is the real world. Um, and this is who we're called to, to care and love and, and serve as followers of Jesus. Yeah. And then as, as you travel a little bit and then you kind of this, you, you said it, this, kind of white savior, I'm an American, I'm going to go evangelize the world. And then you're talking to people on the other side of the world, and they're like, yeah, no, we see your politics. We see what you're doing in America. Why are you over here to save us? <laughs> Why don't your churches like each other or work together? Or like, what are you doing to help, you know, there's this and this and this crisis going on in America, in the United States? Like, what are you guys doing to address that? And those are hard questions to grapple with. Yeah. Well, this is not a this is not a podcast interview about a mission of work missiology. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but you know, Steve is a good Moody trained. I wanted to mention that uh, Steve's a graduate of Moody, and you're my third Moody grad on the podcast. So awesome. shout out to Moody Bible Institute. I don't. Yeah, know, right. I don't know if they'd want. Sh- I don't know if they'd want a shout out for me, but uh, I just gave them I don't one. Know. Um, well, talk about just the kind of ins and outs, the logistics of how this process works. So, I mean, even from something as little as like, you know, like I got introduced to you cause you reached out to me. So you're reaching out to pastors and you're like, Hey, would you like to get involved? Find a better way to get involved in your community. So go from there kind of thing. Yeah. And the first thing pastors usually hear is, Oh my goodness, this is another thing for me to do. Um, that's really not the heart. The heart of what we're doing is to try and get rid of this bottleneck to where, um, you know, I have been a professional pastor. Um, That's fantastic. But when a congregation of people get together and they say, well, that's my pastor's job. Uh, You want to do outreach? Well, what is my pastor doing? I'll wait for an event. Um, um, That's where it kind of bites us in the butt a little bit because Um, We really, the point of being a pastor is to show everyone how to walk this out in their daily lives. And so when you now can be connected to what are the needs in my community, um, now you have this bridge that says, I can impact my community and I don't have to wait for a pastor to approve a date and a setting and a food drive. And um, I don't have to wait for them to uh, organize the buses and all like 
it really doesn't have to be that complicated. It can really be a lot simpler and it can be a part of our daily rhythm. And so you jump on your email and you see that there's a kid literally five miles away from you who, you know, was just removed from his home or let's use one of our sex trafficking partners from Silence the State. Um, there's a mom giving, getting out of a lifestyle and she needs a community to wrap around her. And she's just moved into kind of a safe house and she needs a microwave and a bed and a crib for her kids. And she's, she's just now divorced herself from everything that was providing for her. And she's got to start all over. Well, okay, I can get a microwave. I can get, I can get a crib or something like that. Or I can get together with some of my friends and show this person tangible love that says you are not alone. Um, that there are people who care about you, even if you didn't know their name before today, because at the core of who we are is to care about our neighbors. So at its at its most basic concept, remind me, is it like an is it an app or is it like an email notification that churches sign up and then encourage people in their church to sign up to get these notifications for needs in the area? Yeah, so churches have a response team. And that response team are just people who have put their emails into the system and say, I want to get an alert uh, when there's a need in my area. And then that email automatically goes out or you can set it up multiple uh, different ways. Um, but you essentially, when you sign up, you say, I want to get alerts for this. You get an alert, the needs down the street, you say, yes, I can help. And that opens up a box where you can type a message to that agency worker who put in the need and you kind of negotiate, hey, um, is this going to the caseworker? Um, a lot of times you can't see families, um, whether it's COVID or whether it's a situation, you know, with sex trafficking, you're probably not going to be able to see the family nine times out of 10 because of what they've come through. That doesn't make your gesture any less loving. Um, but the fact is, um, you know, you show up to that caseworker or their office or you show up to the house um, and you deliver whatever it was that they were in need of and you say, God bless you. Um, can I pray for you? Have a great day. Um, it's not this weird evangelical scheme of where you're, you're holding something and you're like, hold on first, pray a prayer before I can give this. Like, that's not the point. The point is to love the neighbor first. And yes, that is a window of opportunity into their lives, but it's not a manipulation tool by any means. Yeah. So you're saying things, um, you have a little detail that, that I think is really helpful for pastors and church leaders to know is that it's not something where it's like everything has to funnel through the pastor. So talk more about how that, like the need comes into the system. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we have dozens of agency partners from, um, they could be nonprofits like CASA or Catholic charities or family Lutheran services. Um, they see the need every day. And they're praying, God, help me with these needs because I can't just buy a bed for everybody who, I can't pay the rent for everybody who comes into my door. Um, but it really gives the agencies a tool where they can say, hmm, okay, you can't pay your heat bill. Okay, I think I can help with that. They jump on the care portal, put it in the care portal. That blasts out to a 10, 15, 20-mile radius all these churches nearby. And then now you have Lisa from ABC Church who says, Oh, no, I'd love to help you with your heat bill. I don't want your children to be freezing cold tonight. Um, I can get involved in that. And now, you know, you have that person donating their own time, their own money to come and love this person. Um, and then, yeah, the caseworker closes out that request and uh, can put in a new one. <laughs> 
Yeah, it's so simple, uh, but and and really so clever. I, I wonder, like, I know in my own experience as a as a pastor, oftentimes folks from the community would call me and say, "Hey, I need help with this or that or the other." Um, is this a thing that like a pastor? So, like, if I'm a church pastor and I get that kind of call and I don't have that resources on my own, um, or to be honest, it sounds like it'd just be simpler to do it this way. Is this something that the pastor could refer to a caseworker or put it in the system? Uh, how, how might that work? Yeah, so the caseworkers put in their own need from their caseload and the families that they're in relationship with. Um, there's a separate function to where a pastor could put in, I mean, because pastors have people in their congregation that have needs. Um, and so they can put in needs to the system and not go out to their church group in their response team. Um, but caseworkers, when they put in a need, it goes out to all the churches. When a pastor puts in a need for their own congregation, it'll go out to their own congregation. Um, but yeah, that's, that's just like a vetting process for how it works because whenever you're giving help to people, there has to be someone that says, is this what you really need? Is this what's gonna help you in the long term? And you know, there's plenty of places where you can put in your own need um, and that just tends to get taken advantage of because do you need $500 for rent? Do you need a job? Do you need, what do you really need? And so these caseworkers know that kind of stuff and they can vet the need. So people don't have to worry anymore. Oh, if I give, you know, $20 to this homeless person, what are they really going to use it for? You, you don't really have to have that internal dialogue anymore because these are vetted needs from Accredited, accredited agencies putting in a need on behalf of another family that they've been walking alongside. Yeah, that's really helpful because I know even even myself as a pastor, when I've been in those kind of situations, it's you always wonder when folks show up at the church door, you want to be generous, but you're like, you know, I don't, I really don't know who this person is. I remember like many years ago, like taking someone down uh, my. I was a youth pastor, this youth director actually at this church and the the senior pastor's like, Hey, go buy this person gas. So I went with them and it was just kind of this awkward now I guess I should have just swiped the card and left, but I, I thought the pastor my pastor wanted me to stay until this guy finished filling up. So he's just like he's like squeezing every like drop of gas he can into his tank, you know, like you know how they say like once the pump stops you're supposed to let it stop but he like he just kept going it's like started spilling out he's just like oh that's normal and I was just, I was just like <laughs> he's getting tubs out of his truck and he's filling those tubs up with it he's just like hey while i've got you here let's just see how long this thing can ride <laughs> so it was a good learning opportunity for me for sure uh and that's kind of a uh silly example but that, that can happen that can be a worry and like you said the great thing about this is these are these are families who are who are vetted who and 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 even maybe better than that like they've got someone who's looking out for them who's going to help them um, make the most I don't know if that's the right way to say it but to make the most of these resources uh, and help get them on yeah, the, yeah. the path to healing and growth yeah yeah you never want to second guess people's motives but um, from my personal experience being the youth pastor and then taking on a lot of those benevolent things where people knock on the door. Um, in most cases, we were the fourth church that they had knocked on our door asking for help. Um, and that doesn't mean that they are insignificant help. So you, you want to help them, but you know, <laughs> you also don't want to play into them kind of 
taking advantage of the system and just, hey, churches will give me money, so I'm just going to go all of these churches. It kind of removes that whole barrier there. Yeah, I remember, like, at one church I was at, like, I remember getting a call from this one guy, like, every six to nine months, and I knew it because he'd always get mad the same way when I said no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And that stinks to say no because you want to love people, like, as the church. It's just how we love people. You know, another example was there's this homeless guy who would come by, and I swear he had – I mean, he was resourceful. Every time that I was serving food at the church, he was there. Uh, mm-hmm. And I don't know how he always knew to be there. But I remember at one point <laughs> just listening to his conversation and he talked about his casework or whatever. And I, I remember I called, I just did some searching and was able to find his caseworker and, and talk to his caseworker. And the caseworker was like, yeah, this guy is, you know, had, had struggled to maintain his own housing situation and lost some housing situations because of behavioral things or whatever. Um, but I, I really thought like that would have made me going through the casework would have been a lot more efficient and probably responsible with the funds. Cause when this guy first started showing up, like folks in our church was like, give him a hotel room and buy him this, that, and the other, which is good. I don't want to dismiss people's, uh, efforts to be loving and generous, but you know, someone who's been working with that kind of person, like a caseworker is going to have a better understanding of what this person really needs to get back on the, the path to healthy living and and um, full holistic life, as you say. Yeah, it comes back to just what does it mean for the future of Christianity coming back to just this podcast is, okay, that was great. We did this for a while, but then we found some problems and we're moving forward now. I mean, you've got the evangelical crusades where, you know, a thousand people come to know the Lord, but wait, there's no discipleship process and there's no churches set up to actually help this person grow and they said a prayer and they heard a great message and maybe that sparked some ideas but the process is not over yet it's a whole discipleship sanctification process that you're inviting somebody into and that prayer or that moment or that donation was really just a jump start into someone's life for discipleship for moving them towards like what does it look like to help this person as a whole and not just give them a gift card and say, God bless you. And, and that's a great start. And I'm not saying the crusades were bad or the crusades, the like evangelical <laughs> crusades. Like, <laughs> no, the crusades, I'm going to go with that. It was not great. It was not a good thing. Um, but evangelical like concerts and that kind of stuff. Those are good. And we're not against those things, but there's my favorite word in the English dictionary that is, and, we can do more and and we can do better and how do we bring this whole process along we're, we're not bad mouthing anything that we've done in the past but you know a church recreating the wheel to love their neighbor every single church doing that that's good that you guys love your neighbor that's good that you're coming up with these programs that's great and maybe there's a way that we could do it together and maybe there's a way that we could help these families more long term and disciple them in a kind of way. Um, so, and is just, how can we keep doing better? And we just have to keep on asking ourselves that every day. Otherwise we get stuck in this puddle. Yeah. I mean, I want to bring you on to talk about this just because I see it as such a positive movement for church. And you, you know, talked about churches reinventing the wheel. I think about just the realities. I mean, here we're recording this, what, end of May, 
uh, I was at a church this last weekend and they were laying off like all their part-time staff. I mean, that's going to be a reality for many churches, if not already the case. And the, the full-time staff or part-time staff, they're going to be available to handle these kind of, uh, important things. It's going to just be reduced. So there's going to be less, um, overhead administration to be able to handle this and and beautiful redemption really offers a way to help churches and and people in church to continue to care for the community without at least as i see it so much potential overhead and and uh, structure that many churches are kind of figuring out what they can and can't afford right now yeah i was talking to a church yesterday and they said this is basically the role of a missions pastor is to be able to nurture and create all these relationships and design is like you have this all in the platform. That's not to replace a missions pastor. That's just to say, this is a huge leap for us that we can do more with what we have because you're right, church staff, I'm in an office building right now with a bunch of ex-church staff people who were laid off, not because they were bad workers, but because just the funding and COVID and everything, the toll that took. Um, and now they're creating their own businesses and doing different kinds of ministries. Um, so hopefully, you know, the restructuring that we're seeing here is still going to come out in a very productive way. That's that's my optimistic hope for what happens here. Yeah, yeah, I like the optimism. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I'm feeling quite so optimistic right now, but I appreciate your I'm optimism. Hoping. Yeah, share a little bit. Uh, Continue down this this path if you want, because I really see these kind of models, this kind of model as a future church, like way direction church is going to need to head. Um, so I, I don't know how much thought you've given to that, but I'm just curious, like how how do you see beautiful redemption as being like in this kind of broader collaboration as being like the future of of church, at least in you know America, so to speak. Yeah, well, when people think of Christianity, um, or if they think of church, when you're a church member at a church, you think of your church. Um, but when people from outside look at Christianity, they look at it as a whole. Um, and they see the good, they see the bad, they see like, why don't you guys work together? Why don't you guys love each other? Or um, at some of the churches I worked with in the past, there was this competition mentality of, XYZ church is doing this. And so they're taking away from our people and that's going to hurt our bottom line. And, and it wasn't, I mean, it was a very human reaction, but in the same way, we need to do better that wait, There's a church planning down the street. Shoot. Let's help them. Let's send them some people. Let's, let's work together because we are in this as a whole. We're not in this as separate parts in the body. And I would love that. I don't think you're going to solve the problem by creating another organization that has now gobbled up all the smaller organizations. It's not going to work like that. It's, it's got to be some kind of network of mutual trust and working together with a similar mission to where we're saying, I'm not competing anymore. I'm working together with you. When we have a request that's met, um, you know, a lady has a rent payment in the crib and a clothes and wow, that's a big request. Well, when four different churches jump in and say, I can get each, I can get one thing. I mean, how cool is that? That the church as a whole is serving this family. And it's not just, it's not just ABC church 
and great were the heroes here. No, it really points back to like Jesus is the hero here. Um, let's point back to him and everything that we're doing. Yeah, I, I love it. I love it all. And, you know, maybe it's me being a little bigger, bigger, bitter towards big church. <laughs> but I just think about kind of what you said is like, this is really empowers smaller churches, smaller faith communities to be able to impact their community. And they're not going to have necessarily a huge budget to have like a missions pastor even, but this is a way that they can get involved really more into the nitty gritty of the needs going on at their community, perhaps. So it's just such yeah. a cool concept. What your, yeah. What are your big church or small church? Um, we've had churches sign on and we're like, well, we're just a little church. We're only like 75 people. We're not a big deal or whatever, but they've helped hundreds of kids. Um, and they are getting it. Every time they get a request, they are there. They're at that door. And I know it's going to be gobbled up as soon as an agency puts in a request. It's not even on there for 24 hours. And our churches are reaching out in these little dinky churches who are really passionate. And sometimes we have these mega churches who it becomes another program um, that doesn't get a lot of airtime and it just kind of gets lost in it. We have other mega churches that say, hey, we're going to turn our basement room into a workshop and we're going to build 400 beds. And they've now delivered over, I think now they've delivered almost 500 bunk beds to kids who are sleeping on the floor. Um, and so it's not a size problem. It's literally just like, if you have other ministries, that's great. But just because you're a small church doesn't mean you're doing less. Um, and just because you're a big church doesn't mean that you're doing more. It's all a perceived thing of just like, how active do you want to be? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I feel like we could go on and on about this, but, uh, cause I'm just, I'm super stoked about the program. Uh, real quick, is this only local Colorado or is there opportunities for growth or using this in other States? Yeah, it is all over the country now. I can't remember how many States we're in. Um, we're coming up on serving a hundred thousand kids, uh, nationwide in Colorado. We just served our 12,000th child. Um, I should say the church has served 12,000 kids in Colorado. So Beautiful Redemption manages Care Portal for Colorado, but there's like nonprofits that manage it in different states. Uh, but you can jump on to careportal.org and look at the map and see where we're active. And uh, it, it kind of, it needs somebody to manage it because Care Portal is a platform. So there's some states where it's not active yet, but I believe it's just a matter of time before we get the right networks and the right agencies working together to um, start this machine of, we know the need, we're responding to the need. And now there's more churches and now there's more agencies. And, you know, it used to be, whoa, that was crazy. We served a thousand kids this year. And now it's like, can we serve 5,000 kids this year? Um, and the whole thing just keeps on growing and growing because people are becoming aware of the need and getting active. Yeah. Well, uh, again, you can find more, uh, search beautiful redemption, beautiful redemption.com. If you want to connect with Steve and kind of get the inside scoop from him. Uh, and again, care portal, is it careportal.com.org? What is it? It's careportal.org and it's beautiful redemption.com. Well, let's take a break and we'll come back with some closing questions. All right, we're back with Steve, Steve Ringlespa. Uh, Steve, you can you can take these closing questions as seriously or not as you'd like to. Uh, but if you're okay, if you're Pope for a day, what do you want to do? What's that day like for you? 
Well, once I would really, uh, I would really enjoy wearing the clothing. Um, dressing up, I think that would be part of my day, just being like, this hat is so cool. Um, but on a more realistic thing, I would just, gosh, that's hard because there's so many pressures coming at him from so many different directions. I would do whatever I could to, um, to put ways forward that we could work together in orthopraxy. Um, it can take generations and generations to fig figure out orthodoxy, and that's great, and we got to move forward in that. But I don't have to have the same doctrinal statement as you in order to help a kid. Um, and I think as we move together, um, the orthodoxy stuff, it doesn't just work itself out on its own by any means. Um, but I think once you work together with somebody who is not like you and doesn't have the same beliefs as you necessarily, um, and now you're working together and you're, you're helping other people, um, it just opens up the door to so many different things. I would find ways to really partner all these different organizations um, with varying doctrinal because, you know, we're called Protestants. We like to protest stuff, but... Um, that's just our thing. So let's, let's create a new denomination that's the right denomination. You're not, you're not really going to ever achieve what you're hoping for other than to create another sect um, of your flavor of what you believe. Um, and we should pursue truth, but we should pursue that alongside action. And how can we collaborate to act together as, as we're all moving, it's, you know, that classic saying, it's easier to move, uh, uh, or it's easier to steer a moving car. Let's get moving in the same direction that says, no, 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 we're a lot similar than you think. We all have a lot more in common. Sure, we disagree on how baptism should be done. And we disagree about like, you know, how worship should be played and the color of the carpet. Like, let's move together in action in loving our neighbor and I think we'll look at our friends and be like, oh, your, your worship music's way too loud, but that guy's awesome. And we helped these kids together and we did that. Like, let's do more of that. <laughs> yeah, I love that. I love that's a great answer. Um, a theologian or historical Christian figure you'd want to meet or bring back to life? Oh, shoot. Um, I'm, a good, I'm a good fan of uh, old Francis of Assisi, I think. He would be a hoot to bring back. Um, more contemporary, maybe a C.S. Lewis. Um, I think he would be fun to bring back as well. Um, shoot, those are the first two that kind of pop up in my head. I would love to interview a C.S. Lewis on a podcast. <laughs> yeah. Well, what do you think history will remember from our current time and place? Oh, politically, economically. Like I said, I'm I'm hopeful that you know, with everything going on with cancel culture and sensitivity, I hope we look back and we say, Wow, we really addressed race. We really addressed gender. We really addressed um, you know, politics and corruption and we really looked at this. And sure, the pendulum might have swung way far in the other direction, 
But in order to get some movement with that, maybe that had to happen. And we're going to come back to a healthy medium of um, everything isn't politically incorrect. Um, we have to acknowledge our history and how we failed in some ways so that we can move forward. We can't just remove it. You know, we can't just say, oh, you made a bad joke. We're canceling the whole show anymore. We have to say, no, I messed up and I was culturally insensitive. I'm going to do better. Um, so I hope that we look back and maybe we'll say the pendulum swung way too far in some ways, but it gave us all permission to say, way over here on the left side was not the answer. Way over here on the right side was not the answer either. And now we're finding some ways to actually move the ball forward in all these different areas. That's my that's my hope. Sure, yeah. Um, what are your hopes for the future of Christianity? I guess it kind of ties in perhaps with the, the last answer. What are your hopes for the future of Christianity per se? Yeah, like like what you said, there's a lot of churches that are struggling organizationally because of funding and a lack of participation in a lot of ways and a lack of motivation for people to get back into the swing of things because everything has been virtual for so long. Um, but if I had a hope out of this, I would hope that we stopped focusing on the organization of the church. Um, I, I, I struggle to think, what if, okay, yeah, great. Now everybody noticed that Christianity is the answer. And now we're going to put all of our pastors in political positions, and they're going to basically uh, make all of our government decisions. Well, we're kind of moving backwards into kind of like Roman Catholic, like that didn't really work out for them. Um, I don't think that's the solution. I think the decentralization of this organization is doing it all. No, I think we learned that organizations come and they go. It is people who really get that they're loved by God and they want to love other people. And it's individuals that are doing it. Hope that the decentralization of what group do you go to and what church do you attend becomes less important. Um, not that I hope they don't grow. I do hope they grow. Um, but I hope they find that my spiritual life is not attending a church building at nine o'clock on Sunday morning. My spiritual life actually consists of many more things than that. Um, and now I've been able to explore that a little bit more because everything just got reset for a year. And now I've got to think, oh, shoot. Okay, so I go back to church. Now I'm good. I can check the box. Mm, no, not really. Now Christianity is everything it was supposed to be because now I can worship without a mask on. Mm, no, um, it's not. We can We can move forward in a lot of different ways. Yeah, yeah. Well, this has been a great conversation, Steve. Uh, I've loved learning more about Beautiful Redemption and the Care Portal Partnership. I hope it's, I really hope it's part, helpful for some of my listeners and church leaders, because I, I really think it's a great model uh, for, for folks moving forward. Uh, again, tell our guests again, where can people find out more about you? And then uh, feel free to plug your own podcast. You're going to have me as a guest here shortly later. So feel free to sh plug all that. Yes. So you can you can email me personally at Steve at beautifulredemption.com. You go to our website, beautifulredemption.com. If you want to see how Care Portal works, go to careportal.org. Play around with some of the features. You can look at all the needs in your area. Um, and if you want to respond to one, it'll just have you kind of put in your information and then you can start responding and get associated with a church. Um, 
yeah, I would love to hear from you if you're a pastor or a church leader. Um, we'd love to get you involved in Care Portal as an organization. Um, yeah, our podcast is going to be launching here soon. Uh, we're filming our first season here, and then we're hoping to uh, put that content out as like, what are agencies doing in the community to move the needle? Um, and how can we be a part of that? And how can we move forward together? The future of Christianity is, is going to be a movement of love. Um, I firmly believe that. And so uh, if you want to reach out about any of that stuff, Steve at beautifulredemption.com. Awesome. And I'll make sure to put the, the link in the show notes. So, uh, Steve, thanks so much. Uh, go in peace and, uh, I'll talk to you here in a few minutes. <laughs> Thank you for having me on the podcast. I've really enjoyed it. Thanks for joining us on the Future Christian Podcast. The Future Christian Podcast is produced by Torn Curtain Arts in partnership with Resonate Media. To learn more about Lauren or the podcast, visit futurechristian.com. If you've enjoyed the show and you think it would be valuable for others to hear, subscribe to the podcast and leave a review. That really helps more people find us. Thanks again and go in peace.